0: I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today on 5th and we tackle SB50. That's the name for State Senator Scott Wiener's second legislative attempt to force cities to build tall apartment and condo buildings near transit hubs. We're speaking to Rachel Swan, our transportation reporter, who's going to explain how this effort is different than those in the past and what the chances are that it could drastically change what California looks like in the future. That's today on Fifth in Mission. Rachel Swan is a transportation reporter at The Chronicle, and she's been with us for four years. Welcome back to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you, Audrey. So we're going to talk about SB50, which is a very boring-sounding name for something that actually could change is it too dramatic to say it could change what California looks like? It could totally change what California looks like. So tell us, what is this bill?
1: So this bill, I will say it is extremely complex and wonky. But the way to think about it is this bill legalizes apartment buildings. It's I didn't a, know they were illegal. Uh, they're not, but there's a lot of communities around California that are just zoned for single-family homes. This bill says we're going to have you bring in multi-unit housing, whether you want it or not.
0: So SB stands for Senate Bill. Yes. 50 is just the number it got assigned. Yes. This was written by uh, State Senator Scott Weiner, who we covered when he was a supervisor in San Francisco. He was elected to the State Senate. This is his second attempt to get similar legislation through the legislature, Tell us what his first attempt looked like. His first attempt
1: basically created this rift through the state, and it got wild support from some people. Um, it coincided with this big YIMBY movement uh, throughout the state, but it also drew really, really loud opposition, including in his hometown of San Francisco, where it is still drawing some loud and shrill opposition and it just went up in a big ball of flames basically i think at its first committee hearing yeah. it was <laughs> so. it was
0: probably i mean maybe one of the most controversial bills of the last legislative session because what it would do is essentially sort of tell the local governments you can't say no if somebody wants to build very dense housing near transit corridors, do I have that right?
1: yeah, and it you'd think you know I guess like on the on the surface, one wouldn't necessarily think this would some be something that people would feel so incredibly passionate about, but it just gets to this elemental thing of in a state that is changing so much in cities that are changing so much, people want to control their built environment. They want to preserve their neighborhoods.
0: Well, also the idea of what a transit corridor, or a transit center, is, has changed as 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 Senator Weiner has pursued this legislation too, hasn't it? it
1: has become more and more intricate. (laughs) I can get into that too.
0: Well, I mean, one of the issues I think for in San Francisco, at least, particularly in um, what has historically been known as the outside lands, the, the, the sunset, the Richmond out on the Geary corridor, where that, where the buildings are two stories tall, that, that is, it's a transit corridor. People use buses, uh, bus rapid transit is coming there. It's where it's a major thoroughfare in the city, and people there were concerned, well, hey, I have a bus stop next to my house. Does that mean somebody's going to build a skyscraper? So what's the answer to that?
1: It's, well, yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, okay, so not a skyscraper. Um, The current bill is saying 45 to 55 feet, which is about four to five stories. That's still enough to make some people very angry in areas zoned for single-family homes. Um, Going beyond San Francisco, Atherton, Palo Alto would be very affected by this bill. (laughs) Those are areas that have transit, have lots of jobs, zoned for single-family housing.
0: And areas that haven't really, um, you know, critics would say pulled their weight in terms of building new housing for all the jobs that are being created down on the peninsula and in Silicon Valley. That's exactly what this bill is saying. So how much housing do you think are we really looking at if this bill passes? Is this, is it something that is going to dramatically decrease rent? We all think rent is too damn high. Is that going to finally bring rent down in California? Or is it not going to be as much of a building boom as the critics fear?
1: Well, rent, it's it's a bit uh, harder to say. But housing production-wise, it's estimated to create about $2 million units which is a lot so um recently over over what period of time well so recently the number that's been kind of bandied about is that california needs about 3.5 million homes by 2025 in order to house basically everyone that's going to come in the the population growth we're on pace right now like without sb50 to build Three. maybe about $1 million. <laughs> <Three> <laughs> Maybe houses. about 1000000 million. SB50 wow. would get us about two-thirds of the way there, is what I've heard.
0: Well, 2025, to need that many houses, yes. that's not a long time. Yep. I mean, it takes a while to get permits and to yep. do all of that. So we're talking about a major streamlining of, yes. of housing policy with this bill.
1: Yes. And basically, <laughs> the current situation is that cities and counties can... They have a lot of tools in their arsenal to either encourage housing or to get in the way of housing. They can choose whether to produce housing or obstruct it. So this bill is bypassing that, saying state law now, guys gotta do this.
0: Yeah. So we were talking earlier and, and you said, you know, the regional government organizations, you know, places that are really focused on the need to bring in more housing and not so worried about approving individual units, those organizations and maybe larger chamber of commerces... They're very supportive of this bill because they know, you know, we need we need housing. We It's hard to get workers. I mean, I know even at the Chronicle, the first thing when we offer somebody a job, they say is like, well, yeah, but how am I going to afford to live there? So it's affecting all of us in whatever industry that we're in. But the people who tend to not like it are the local city councils. Can you explain why there's that political rift?
1: Exactly. Um, so so yes, going back to what you're saying, um, we're seeing a lot of mayors, particularly a lot of the more, I guess you'd call them kind of urbanist style mayors coming out in support of this, Oakland mayor, Libby Schaff. Mayor of San Jose, the mayor of Stockton, who's getting a lot of headlines right now, um, all support this bill. Bart's board supports this bill. I mean, basically, mayors and political bodies that have had to think of this housing crisis on more of a regional level of how do we get people to their jo- from their homes to their jobs all have generally come out in support of this bill. Local Politicians, many city politicians, like the San Francisco the members of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, the Los Angeles City Council, have come out against this bill. They're thinking more of, you know, how do we placate our constituents? Um, how do we keep our neighborhoods looking a certain way? How do we preserve uh, what's generally called local control and present this prevent this big screwdriver from Sacramento from coming in and telling us what to do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was just listening to your previous podcast about what's the matter with BART. And you mentioned on it that the way the Bay Area grew is this very, you know, there was really white flight out to the suburbs and the suburbs grew and single family houses grew and you had BART going out there. And it was very much a sort of leisurely commute thing that happened post-the Second World War, and now to have those places where it was supposed to be like a a gentleman's commute corridor, now you're looking at cities like Lafayette that might be facing huge apartment complexes right next to the BART station. So how are they dealing with that? Um, I think not
1: very happily. (laughs) I haven't checked in with Lafayette today, but the... um, the mayor, who is actually now stepping, recently stepping down, um, of of Lafayette has been very much against um, this bill and these types of measures, also against some of the stuff that Governor Newsom has said about creating more housing. Um, Lafayette is a city we often pick on because it's like, it's city charter says the city has to preserve its bucolic character, but it has a BART station, <laughs> so um, that it. It's kind of like a, an example we love to use. But you know, those cities in the well, East, there are other day, cities we can pick on. Yeah, out. other cities we pick, can take a pick <laughs> on. You know, Orinda, the whole like La Marinda corridor, um, M- generally Marin resistance. Yeah, Marin, <laughs> Marin County is another area that built a lot of jobs, um, not produced a lot of housing, could be really affected by this bill. I, I would say some parts of Marin County, Marin County is pretty disparate. So some parts would be affected more than others. But yeah, and definitely, definitely the South Bay, Brisbane, Atherton, Palo Alto, Cupertino, all those areas with jobs and not enough housing.
0: Right. So one of the reasons that, um, I mean, we joke that we can pick on all of these cities, the state has come in in the past and told there are state laws that tell cities how much housing they have to build. Why have those laws been ignored? Because the state really
1: is just really deferential to cities and counties. There's been a law that's been on the books for 50 years that's basically had no teeth. It allows cities and counties to determine how much housing they need to produce to accommodate their populations, as well as how much affordable housing they need to produce. Um, the state does have to approve those benchmarks, but it doesn't do anything to penalize cities and counties that don't meet them, and no one meets them. So
0: there's no no stick to this law at all, in other words?
1: Basically, the first mention of a stick was Governor Newsom's uh, State of the State speech earlier this year when he said, I'm going to revoke your transportation funds if you don't build that
0: housing. But then he sort of walked retreated. away from it. Yeah, he retreated pretty quickly, which I think yeah. is really indicative of how um, difficult of a of a political issue this can be. So let's go back. Speaking of the difficult political issues, you you mentioned that this bill had a, a blaze of glory death very quickly in the legislature <laughs> last year. Why is it back if it died so suddenly last year? Oh, wow, there's a lot of answers.
1: Um, I guess the well speaking, if I if I could take the liberty for a second, pretending I'm in Scott Weiner's shoes. I mean, he has been hammering this. He hammered these types of issues as a city supervisor and as a state legislator. I mean, this is like his crusade. Um, he is the chair of the housing committee in uh, in the state senate in Sacramento, and I mean. By God, if he's going to do anything, he's going to pass this bill is definitely the sense I get. Um, He's spent the past year working with coalitions of tenants groups throughout the state that opposed this bill last time, trying to come to a happy medium. They're still working it out.
0: So wait, tenants groups? You would think tenants groups would be happy to have more housing what were what were their problems with his earlier bill
1: one of the interesting things about this bill like the previous iteration and the current rebo- reboot SB50 is that it's really divided tenant groups and housing groups some support it some don't definitely the fear is that there's you know the developers are going to come in and build only high-end housing, only housing for rich people. And that's a legitimate fear. Um, Wiener has done various things with the current version of the bill to try to really um, make sure it's a mixed stock of housing. There's affordable housing requirements. I believe it's up to 25%. Um, They have changed a bit over the life cycle of SB 50, um, there is a provision that says it would be implemented more slowly in what are called sensitive communities, so communities that have seen a lot of displacement in the past.
0: Um, displacement of like a historical of residents, yeah. So like communities that went through quote unquote urban renewal when they yeah you know, bulldozed you know mm-hmm. entire developments to get rid of black people or right. or, or or poor people. Um so so they they're afraid of those things did he listen to their concerns are there amendments is that what his Yeah
1: yeah so that's what he's doing now is he's he has like the provision to protect sensitive communities um you know places like I would venture like Fruitvale in in Oakland you know um and his his current the current version of SB 50 allows gives those communities a period of time to come up with their own plan instead, instead of implementing SB50, you know, not everyone is happy. I mean, there's a lot of fear of new development equates to gentrification. You know, I mean, people are afraid of their neighborhoods looking different. They don't want newcomers coming in. It's just a very stark emotional thing for people.
0: So maybe some historically, um, underserved communities are worried about being pushed out with Mm -hmm. very attractive housing and then the communities that never had that are worried about you know having 25% or more maybe affordable housing in places that have historically been really traditional suburbs.
1: Exactly exactly and I guess I would also say I mean there's this there's this sense I mean even though a lot of economists have said, you know, paradoxically, that really it's the scarcity of housing that's pushing people farther and farther out. It's not new development. I mean, there's still people just equate in their minds new development means gentrification.
0: It's like it's like an emotional argument. Right. And we've seen that a lot in San Francisco too, where we've even mm-hmm. talked about moratoriums on building things just to keep the neighborhoods the same, to keep them from being gentrified, which is the exact opposite of what some of the measures in Wiener's bill would do. So S- Scott is taking this on, and uh, hes I-, I have always found him to be a really interesting character because he's hes kind of an anti-politician, I think, in a lot of ways. He's kind of, um, sorry, Senator Wiener, but a little dorky. You know, he's <laughs> definitely a policy wonk. Um, was the, f- the first utter defeat of this bill a wake-up call for him politically in Sacramento? I, I guess it's hard
1: to say. I mean, he is dogged. You know, this is just me talking as an observer. Yeah, I don't really hang out with him. But, you know, he is definitely persistent. I mean, even like shortly after the defeat last year, I remember he was talking about this is going to come back he was still talking about 827 the previous version of this bill as though it were a live thing you know it's going to be resurrected so i have to say i personally was not at all surprised when he came out with sp50 this year i mean that said i it seems like he has some real humility about this or has has gotten some humility about this you know he has definitely traveled the state reached out to tenants groups um shown some patience listen to people who have a different viewpoint um you know even though he argues with people on twitter and <laughs> he's a very argumentative person um and well i think that's know, interesting because a
0: lot of a lot of bills in the legislature are proposed by interest groups yes. and they find a politician to 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 take them to the floor um that's not the case here i mean you get the you get the impression that these amendments and the changes to the bill that he actually is listening to people and writing them in himself
1: yes this is a work of compromise but it's very much a Wiener brand bill
0: so given all the opposition and given the need of how much the state how much we need housing in the state what is it going to pass are these amendments enough do we is it possible to handicap it
1: Yes, I mean this is not a shoe in um, The things are looking a lot better this time. The bill passed through its first two committees. Um, it passed the um, it passed the housing committee not unanimously but overwhelmingly. The next step is it goes through um, what's called the the appropriations committee, which isn't a voting committee. It it's just like a bunch of legislators who look at the financial impact of the bill and then just decide whether it lives or dies. So it is at a critical point. Um, And then it has to go through the assembly. I mean, there's still a lot of loud opposition to the bill. But there are also signs that public opinion is turning that, you know, the politics are shifting. Um, There seems to be a lot more support from supervisors and council members on the peninsula than there were last year. That's a sign that things are starting to shift. Um, There seems to be either a lot more support or at least non-opposition, like not taking a position among some of the tenants groups who opposed the bill last year. So definitely there are a lot of signs that People are changing their minds about the bill or at least not opposing it as staunchly as in the past.
0: Right. And and even the New York Times floated in from New York to give their impression, their editorial board's impression, by saying that this is a bill that should pass by by the fact that California needs so much housing. So it's it's a national issue, too. Yes.
1: Yes. It is. It is a bill that's really closely watched nationally. California's housing crisis. Everybody's watching it.
0: So the last question: You're a transportation reporter. You're not our housing reporter, yeah. but but you're covering this issue for us along with um, those in our state house bureau. How is this going to affect transportation if it wins, um, if it passes? Well, you know, obviously population growth puts a
1: real strain on transportation. I mean, in some ways, um, I think part of the reason that a lot of uh, transportation boards are for the bill is because, in some ways, this would alleviate some of the stresses that are on systems like BART. You know, if more people could live in San Francisco, then maybe there would be less of a need for a second or third or fourth transbay tube to pipe them all in from elsewhere. In San Francisco. I mean, it creates enormous stress on 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 uh, transportation systems when people are pushed farther out and farther out in sor- in search of cheaper housing. Also, it would um, alleviate the need for long car commutes, which would help with congestion and help with carbon emissions and all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, this bill, like, there is a real environmental thrust to it. Because, you know, people, if you live in, say, Fairfield, or I don't know, you know, Solano County or Vallejo, I mean, a lot of people have to drive, you know, even if they're just driving to get to BART. And um, it just puts tremendous strain on our roads and our highways. And so there's a real interest in dispersing housing a little
0: more evenly. Great. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and for making something that sounds as boring as SB50 really fascinating. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you to Rachel Swan, our transportation reporter, for being with us today. And thank you all for listening. Fifth Admission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support 5th and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.